Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the latest edition of Blue Noise. Uh, this week is a very special one as we're joined by former Blues Head of Recruitment, Paul Montgomery. Uh, hello Paul, welcome, Hi. welcome to the podcast. Uh, Paul was the Head of Recruitment Blues from 2008 to uh, 2011, uh, just after the relegation, and obviously contributed to some of Blues' best years, uh, obviously in recent times, and obviously that Carling Cup win, uh, which will live long in the memory. Uh, firstly, we are going to start though at the Right, right at the beginning, right at the beginning of Paul's journey. Um, can you tell us what you used to do before, obviously, you went into football scouting and head of recruitment? Yeah, well, yeah I was, um, for many years, my, my life was um, in the leisure industry, in the music industry. But I loved, the, I had the passion for the football. I did my coaching badges. I went to, um, in the 70s, when the English game was not as good as what it was, I went and watched the Italians train, I went to Ajax, watched the great Cruyff and I just always had this passion of football and when I was, I had a club in Glasgow and when I was up in Glasgow I would go to six or seven games a week and people used to think, Why, what, what's he doing at the games, you know, like Morris Johnson's sister worked for me behind the bar and uh, you know, that was my life but the, my, my hidden passion was the football and you know, I was you know, we created the best um, nightclub in Europe at one stage when we were in Newcastle, which you may have heard of. It was the Tuxedo Princess, which is when we converted a ship into a um, floating nightclub. Uh, any film star, pop star, football star, they all went there. You know, it was an awesome venue, you know, and that was my life. And But my hidden passion was the, the soccer. And um, I then became a director of Hartlepool, in the, who were then in the old fourth division. My role there was to try and find, sign some players and raise money. And even then we, we got promoted. But at the time I would, for example, I would go to several managers and say, you know, I've seen Perry Groves, I've seen Morley, etc., etc., players who were playing in the lower leagues. You should, should have a look at them, you know, and, yeah. and I knew what they would be thinking. We're thinking, well, what does he know about football? Yeah. <laughs> All he knows is about nightclubs, women, etc., etc., uh, music, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, no problem, Paul, no problem, thanks very much. <laughs> and, you know, but then later, you would, uh, they would obviously find out the, hang on, this guy obviously knew what he was talking about because mm -hmm. these players, Groves, and then went on to play for Arsenal, and Morley ended up at, I think it was Man's West Ham and Man City. Paris ended up at West Ham, etc., etc. So, but my kind of football world began with a, um, a chance meeting with a guy who I have a lot of time with, who was an ex-Blues manager, it was Jim Smith. Mm. And Jim was a manager of Newcastle at the time. 
and we t we had dinner. We spoke football, and he obviously thought I knew what I was talking about. And he says, "I know you're busy, but would you fancy, you know, doing a little bit with me and working with me and find me some players?" I says, "Hey, not a problem." And and I remember my first player was um, I'd went to Czechoslovakia. And I saw a goalkeeper, and I came back and I said. And he said to me, Jim said, what, what did you think of the goalkeeper? I said, best shot stopper I'd seen, except his lines were good. Did it, did it. I went through the hole. And he says, okay. So he picked the phone up and he says to the chairman, I want to take this goalkeeper. And I went, whoa, <laughs> you, you haven't seen him play. And he went, listen, no, I trust your judgment. And obviously that player was Cernicek, who mm. became a legend in Newcastle, but at the time, oh my God, his first training session, he let one through his hands, one through his legs, I was mortified, Jim, Jim walked by us, and, you know, them days, you, know, cigars, yeah. you, you weren't drinking when you <laughs> saw him, were you? And, I went, and I, I went home, and I was so um, mortified at home, that for five days, I never went out, and he rang me, and he said, why have you not been to the ground? I said, I said, I'm distraught at the, the goal. He, he was, you know, like, ah, don't worry about it. He can't speak English, you know, don't worry about it. And then obviously, late, you know, that was yeah. the man of him, you know, he was an awesome guy for me, you know. And then the player then became a legend at Newcastle. But, um, but then obviously, when Jim went to Portsmouth, he asked me to help there. And then at Derby County, that's where I got my claim to fame because I went to Derby County and we signed three Dutchmen mm. that I brought in and we got promoted first season and that was when we went into Pride Park and then we finished about it was our seventh or eighth that was those days I'd brought in the likes of Rory Delap for a hundred thousand Chris Powell a hundred thousand one chop 250 um, daily 300 grand Stimak Zanovic free Bayano free Aranio free you know and we did we, we, we did awesome on little to zero budget and I think that's what stuck with me as well because I was known as somebody who could um, improve things on the field for limited budget yeah. and hence Bobby Robson got the job at Newcastle and uh, I got a call from uh, Jim Smith and said, <clears throat> oh Bobby Robson wants to meet you the training ground and I said oh, I only spoke to him last month I was at a testimonial deal I said what does he want to what does he want to speak to me he said no he wants you to go there and work with him and I went oh do you not want me no <laughs> and he said no listen and this is the the great man Jim he said listen we can't keep on going signing free transfers and staying seventh eighth in the league it's impossible the money's getting bigger and he says no go and speak to him take it as an honor that he's asked for you and um, go and see what he has to do and that's, your, that's where you're from Newcastle and that's your club and I went up there and then obviously yeah Bob and I got on great I had some great years with him and we went on a, on a, on a project that went from the bottom of the Premier League to Champions League football mm -hmm. and um, I had some great times you know signing Janus's and Bellamy's and Players like that, and uh, I got a great free transfer. Olivia Bernard played about 170 consecutive games before the poor guy developed arthritis. But it was a lot. It was a great time, and I had a great relationship with them. You know, um, 
have some many stories which I'm writing about, which I had with him, but I'll not bore you with them. But uh, <laughs> such a great read the book. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, with young Gascoigne and stuff, you know, we had we had a lot of because he's from Newcastle, which as you can gather, he was a regular in the clubs. Yeah, and um, we have a lot of stories together, but we had a great time. And from then, an actual fact, when we got to the Champions League, then I got a. Then Bob rang us, and he was very friendly with Glenn Roder at the time, because mm. Glenn had been a captain at Newcastle. And again, I was farmed off. Uh, listen, we, we've done well. We've got the Champions League. He needs a hand at West Ham. Will mm. you go and help him? And, and I went, all right, OK, not a problem. But I was just like that. You know, I, was, I would help anybody who, was, who had a project who wanted to help with. And the idea at West Ham was to... Uh, change the things around because they had a limited skeleton squad. So I went to work on bringing five players in, and I already had Maluda and um, Barami lined up because they were players I'd watched at Newcastle. Mm. And I was going to take them, and then that's obviously where I came across Drogba. And obviously, where did he wrote in his book that yeah. I was the man who inspired him? Well, I inspired him because I was going to sign. I think he got a shock because when I knocked on his door and said, "Do you want to come to to play in England?" He went, "Whoa." I, I, are you sure about that? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he'd been a substitute um, for G Gengon, you know, And uh, mm. but you could see he was awesome. And uh, Sadly, um, West Ham were bottom of the league in January when he was going to come. 400,000 he was going to cost. They'd only just paid 50,000 for him from Le Mans. And uh, he, he was going to come in the January, but at the bottom of the league, he says, listen, I've just got into the French first division. Um, I didn't want to get relegated, you know what I mean? I said, I'm now just building up. I said, not a problem. He says, but I promise you, if you stay in the league, I will sign for you. But unfortunately, that was the year West Ham got relegated with the highest number of points because they had mm. such a limited squad. I think they didn't have a striker for seven months. They had to play a centre-half up front. And then from there, that's when I began, I went to work with Alec. Oh, Rangers, and, <clears throat> and even there, signing all three transfers, and they became the first Scottish club who um, qualified for the last 16 of the Champions League. And then from there, I went back to Newcastle, they asked me to go there, they had one or two problems. And then, obviously, after that came the scenario when Alec went to, um, to uh, Birmingham. Yeah. But I actually met Alec when I first started with James Smith, because we were going to sign Alec. Okay. As a centre half, when he was getting near the end of his day, but we, we kept losing goals in the last five minutes, and we needed some experience at the back, and that was who we were going to sign. But the John Hall had just took the club over at Newcastle, and he put a block saying, "Oh, we don't want to sign any older players, etc." So that's how I met Alec, and um, and obviously through time we used to speak a lot, and um, you know Alec, you know he liked to be involved with the the playing side, the, the recruitment side, and we got on, you know, we, we, we you know, it's, it's a lot easier if you're batting the same wicket as the, what the manager is, and at the time um, when he took, got the job at Birmingham, they got relegated, mm. and he called me and said, look, do you, so do you fancy the gig at Birmingham? I said, yeah, I, 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 I get you promoted, and he went, "Oh, really?" <laughs> I said, "Yeah, as long as we, as long as we, uh, the way I see it is uh, having the spine experience and putting some legs around." And that's how we ended up. Uh, we did the Carsley and the Phillips, 
Mm. And to be honest, Mr. Sullivan, he was um, he was quite good at um, if he fancied something of, of backing, because they had a bit better wages than what norm, normal uh, championship players were getting. Yeah. And then from there, you know, we built up, and um, that, that was the first season. And then had a bit difficulty getting Boy in, because um, I would signed Boy at Newcastle, and uh, uh, I arranged that Lee could be loaned with an option. And then, obviously, I remember when that was put to Mr. Sullivan, uh, Alec come back and said, "Oh, Mr. Sullivan said uh, Boy has lost his legs. <laughs> he's not." <laughs> He's not as mobile as well. I said, well, I must be blind because I've just, I just a couple of months ago, watched him play for West Ham against Middlesbrough and he, he's run about as youthful as what he did when, you know, he got from back to front as quick as what he did. And anyway, we got that over the line and um, we put a side together, as you know, that we got promoted and that was the aim, to get promoted. And then, obviously, once you're promoted, you start again. What have you got in the squad? That can stay in the, that can play in the Premier League, and that's why the likes of Carsley and for what we got, because even although they were um, older, they still had a year, so you know, time to 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 overlap on your your way forward in the Premier League, and then um, we had, um, but I think you still had bits of um, situations with Mr. Solomon at the time, because um, it's like. We had um, when Crystal Palace were Crystal Crystal Palace were um, in receivership, mm. so I did a deal with the um, receiver at the time, which now is an unbelievable deal. This one gets me every time. Yeah, this, yeah. No, this was an unbelievable. I did a, a deal for a million pounds for Moses, Klein, and Zaha. Mm. No ifs, no buts, no maybes. The split was quite simple, 600 for Moses, 300 for Nathaniel, and 100 for Wilfred. He was a kid then, but yeah. he could have been anything. You know, he, the, uh, Moses would have played, Klein would have been a great backup for Stephen Carr, mm. who would, was an awesome uh, sign that I've got to mention there in the championship run. And actually, Stephen was quite, well, quite lucky because um, what happened with Stephen was um, the doctor at the time, we were taught and mentioned about Stephen because we Bobby we signed Stephen at Newcastle from yeah. from Spurs, and I went oh he's retired now he's injured. He said no no he, he retired but he's not injured. Oh, I said I thought he re I said Are you sure? He said oh yeah yeah because he used to treat him. I said well ask him if he doesn't mind coming into because if he's fit to no brainer and yeah. then obviously that's how what happened with Stephen that was a real stroke of luck but. Um, what a, what a big stroke because he was awesome for Birmingham, great professional, great player and um, we went on but getting back to the other scenario with with the Crystal Palace scenario was um, Moses in my opinion would have played, yep. Klein would have been a backup for Carr and Wilfred could have been anything and mm. which is what's happened because yeah. he is at the moment he is Palace. Mm. Without being disrespectful to the others, when he plays, they play. Yeah. So what a deal that was, but I pushed and I pushed, and I, and I got the man and I said, I remember ringing out and I said, what, what, what's happening with this thing, because I'm getting pressure because Wigan and a couple of other clubs are coming in for thing, and I've got this deal of a thing, and 
anyway, the message I got from Mrs. Hall was, oh, we can't buy for the future. Yeah. Oh, I was, but how are we going to succeed if we can't buy for the future? And I had another, I had a French boy, Yatabari, who has been a steady player in the French French division. He was a, he was a um, 90,000 pound, um, 90,000 euros, you know, for the, for the, the fee that you have to pay when they're younger, etc., etc., because he'd been there for a few years. And I got an email from Mrs. Holmes and said, No, it, it won't cost 90,000 euros, it'll cost 3 million. And I went, 3 million? No, he's 90,000. His, his fee is 90,000 to the French FA. But he listed hotels, flights, wages, <laughs> his mother's flights, <laughs> and he built it up so the player was going to cost us 3 million, which really. He, he didn't fancy it, so yeah. he kind of wanted to put a <coughs> negativity on it, on the actual deal. But yeah, so we had some, some a lot, quite a few scenarios like that. But then, um, obviously, when we got promoted, um, we now then looked at the next level, and the manager, <coughs> quite rightly, decided, you know, the spine needed. He wanted it to be British. Yeah. You know, the central, because we, we, you know, you know what it's like, we, we would get inundated with faxes from the agents, this centre-half, that centre-half, that, this player, that player, but he wanted the, he wanted us to be British, UK, so we had a permutation of three, Roger Johnson, mm. which is there, Scott Dan, and Mills. Matt Mills. Yeah, 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 and those were the three, my two were Johnson and Dan's. All day long, I think one of the coaches wanted Mills, but I managed to persuade. I mean, Roger Johnson was always, yeah, and then obviously the manager went with Scott Dance, but we nearly lost him mm. through where uh, Karen Brady almost lost Scott because um, she liked the. What would happen was the deal would be given her, and she would sign it off. One of a better expression. So. When, she, when we agreed the wages and stuff with uh, the agent of Scott, when Karen sent the contract, mm. she put a bit less. Oh. In the contract. So the, the agent ran me, what are you doing? What are you do we agreed, we agreed. And I went, whoa, 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 what? He said, he's going to Wolves, he's going to Wolves, he's going to Wolves. And I went, whoa, take it easy, take it easy. I said, y you know, I'll, I'll, I'll sort it, I'll sort it. And obviously when I, I found that she had put a little bit less in, he, mm. I thought, well, why do you do that? But never mind. So it ended up with them retracting what was done. Car well, then got the thing. And we ended up paying double, <laughs> double the money what he originally wanted. Because <laughs> we had to go more than what, what, what Wolves were paying. Unbelievable. But anyway, we ended up with Scott and it was worth it in the end because we had great foundation, you know. The, that uh, was an awesome thing. Then we, we signed Lee Boyer mm. full-time. Yeah. And then um, we, we, then, we, the, we then did uh, the likes of... Because um, the final year before that, we unearthed the likes of young Fai from yeah. Ireland, oh. who was a great servant to the club for a very small fee. And then, you know, we then kind of then moved forward for the next level. Mm. Benitez came in and then who could have been anything. Yeah. But I think he done well overall. Mm. On the, and sadly what happened with him later in life it was a, you know it's terrible, terrible, terrible.
terrible situation. But for us, he was, you know, he was a handful. And then we moved forward on that. And then, um, and even then, we you still always got to be finding players. And I mean, I'm sure Alec will um, turn in his sleep when the, the thought of Seamus Coleman, mm. who we had a deal for fifty thousand pounds with Sligo for him. He came on not once; he came twice on trial as a backup for Stephen Court. Yeah. And for some reason, we we uh, declined on that, and then I. Resurrected another deal for Nathaniel Klein for two hundred and fifty thousand, and that was not taken. Mm. So you know, we, but that's life. That's football. You got to get on with it. Everyone has an opinion. Yeah. Everybody has an opinion. My job was to find the players, the recruitment, find the deals. But if the club don't want to go through with it, there's nothing you can do. You don't. You don't take the huff with it. It's a man's game. You know, let's get on with it, you know. So, how does this work? You've got, obviously, you're the head of recruitment. Uh, Alex McLeish is the manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got the Sullivans, Golds and Karen Brady as the owners. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do? Do you like, you go and see the player and then what happens from there? To no, well, 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 what would happen is, <clears throat> in generally, Alec, you know, you would, you would know in your head what positions mm. <coughs> he would want to, to uh, make better. Mm. So then you would go and find two or three choices. Because yeah. I believe the manager should have a seat. I mean, I know this day you have directors of football who make the signings and the, the coach coaches them players. Yeah. But I still believe the coach should have some say, you know. Mm. You know, you should be, what would you prefer? Mm. You know, there's A, B and C. It's gonna cost you the, job they're the, they're yeah. the best three. Yeah. Which one would you prefer? You know, and I think that's the way it should be. But then obviously with the Chinese, when they came, that was different. We had to fax them. Yeah. We'll put the player on paper, the deal, the uh, wages, the agents fee, the, 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 the recommendation, and then I would get the manager to sign that he's agreed yeah. with this recommendation to sign. And then it will be sent to Hong Kong or wherever. So that brings on to quite a fascinating one now, because the the Moussa Dembele deal. Oh, don't do. No, listen, listen. Moussa Dembele was nearly. I was. That was so easy. It was an easy peasy deal. The guy wanted to come. His agent wanted him to come. He was two million pounds. Simple as that. Mm. From AZ, player who I'd seen as a kid playing against Newcastle in the UEFA Cup. No brainer. I'll, Agreed 100% with yeah. that. Three months, three months. I had, and I'm sure, and I don't, I don't know if this is right, but I got the impression that Carson Young was sitting there with his son playing fantasy football, and they hadn't heard of him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Was the thought? It was he. Damn bit. I've never heard of him. You know what I mean? And uh, and even Alec, I, I got asked Alec to send an email to back me. You know, and even Alec, I remember. It's, Clear as day, he wrote on his thing, we will get double figures, yeah. you know, because that would have interested them, you know, mm. signing for two and selling, and that's what happened. Because it, we went so long that the agent said, listen, we can't wait any longer. He didn't want to go to Fulham, yeah. he wanted us to come to Birmingham. And he, he, you know, he was desperate to play for Birmingham, because he saw what the project, yeah. he saw what we were going to do, you know, with how we were going to move forward. and. Um, Sadly, it didn't happen. 
but that was the annoying part from the Chinese point because I think they made their, a rod for their own back by coming in and saying we've got this, we've got that to spend, mm, we've got this, yeah. and instead of just saying right, we ain't have a lot, and really they they got out of jail by recruitment that we made on a very low low budget, you know, the with was, Alex. The story was that Alex has promised fifty million, was it in the first, the first well, as soon as well, that arrives. Sort of well, thing. that's yeah. right, and it, and it, so therefore, but I wasn't silly. I. I I recruited for two budgets. Mm, yeah. For a, a two balloons and a goldfish boat budget mm. and a fifty million budget. And we ended up with the two balloons and a goldfish budget. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is just as well that we did that. Because I, the fifty million was never there. Let's be let's be brutally truthful. We all you know, it was a bit of a it was a fantasy kind of scenario. It was just wasn't there. But everything at the club was coming, even Terry at the academy was bringing in, you know, young Redmond, great player, mm, great yeah, player. Yeah. I mean, even when Alec brought him into the first team, you know, you know, he was saying, I just want to take me time with him. I said, listen, if he's good enough, he's old enough. Mm. And I just, I love, you know, and, he, and Terry had signed Butland and, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, everything was getting better shall we say, and it was all the next step, the next step. And I actually believe, without fear of contradiction, if they had done what they promised to do before we got the Colin Cup final, we could have kicked on to top six place. No bet, because that following season, I'd had a, I had a deal with them, um, I had arranged, a, um, I'd arranged a, a dual kind of relationship with Hoffenheim, Yes. Where we were going to send young players to Hoffenheim and they were going to reciprocate that. So I, as part of that, I got a paper from them for first option for Sigurdsson for mm. 7 million euros. I had CC the Freiburg striker who scored a lot of goals for Newcastle when he came. They were all lined up. They were the next thing. But what happened was, as you know, um, the sad thing was, I think the Chinese thought, oh, well, we finished ninth in the league, you know, oh, why do we need to spend lots of money? We were kind of mid-table when we were on the Carlin Cup run, but we, we had a thin squad, and we kept emphasising, this needs strengthen, this needs strengthen. So apart from Dan Bailey, we did, uh, in the January, I did a deal with Spurs for Pavlichenko, yeah. which was a loan with an option to buy. So really, the option to buy is always in the favour of the buying club because if he didn't perform for us yeah. you, you don't take the option yeah. but that was haggled at they were trying to work out the never never on the, the the transfer deal which really was not relevant if he didn't perform for us but the relevancy was he could have been a big part of the squad squad he goes then there was the player in Italy Mickley who yeah. would have been a great number 10 and assistant, you know, the manager liked him much. He was a good player. He reminded me, it was like going back to Derby, getting Bayano and Aranio. They were like 30 or 30 year old, 30 year old. But what you lack in a leg, you have in the intelligence. Do you understand? What I'm yeah. You know, brilliant football brain. You know, like like the sadly with Kleb. You know, Alec, mm. Alec was a, to me was a great, set, but he just he didn't come fit. If you know what I mean, like fit enough, but still a, you know, if we if we had more time and got him fitter, 
what you know, you, you, you can't. There's no substitute for talent. Yeah. You know, these are great players, and um, they would have. So what was emphasised to the Chinese owners at the time? We need because if we get injuries, we Yaranak had come in on a free. Yeah. We were we were getting all low budget, and Yaranak was awesome in the final when he when he played in the final. And then we had Big Ziggy, who at first was used with the Spanish kind of game, and he mm. he was. What he could, what he needed to grasp is someone of his height would scare defenders, and he and he didn't re, he didn't really grasp it at first. And the manager had to tune him in, to tune him in, to fine tune him into mm. the English game. And you know he was like every he was a nice big guy. I remember in the final when we played Arsenal, you know, in the semi final. You know me, I'm a bit the mad Geordie passionate guy. You know, I was saying, you're, you're terrifying them. You're terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Really? <laughs> I said, yeah, go. You know, he was awesome in the fight, and they did. They were mm. the, the the two central defenders in Arsenal were terrified of him, and um, you know, but it was just getting them to because at one stage, you know, he was six foot five and he jumped five foot one, you know, yeah. and you think, come on, you've got to be more. And it took a lot of patience and uh, hard work by the manager and the coaching staff, you know, to to get him, uh, but. You know, he did well for yeah. but but the moral of the story is when we were getting to the car and cover, we if we had injuries, what was defined to the time we, we were in trouble. Mm. And then obviously that's exactly what happened. We had the spine all injured and we just went on that day. And even and then obviously my story sadly ended because we played the lot and our bra was working on the next season. Yeah. And that's when I had the Sigurdsson and the Zizi and the, the army all lined up. And then obviously we played Spurs last game of the season. Sad to talk about it. And the man who scores the goal, Pavlichenko. So, me being me, I sent an email. <laughs> I hope you're proud of yourself. The man who scored put us down, should have been in a blue shirt. Oh, you sacked. I went, no problem. <laughs> no, you know, it was a bit pathetic really, when, but I was... Uh, just the way I was. I was a very passionate, uh, very passionate guy, uh, and I was distraught with the work, and I, and and I had the vision of the next hurdle, you know. Yeah. And uh, and then, weird enough, two weeks there, I, I, the pan of rang me, rang me, and says, "Oh, listen, ah, I'm sorry about before." He says, um, "But um, he said." Um, I think you're better off working for me, finding the players and, and I says, no, no thanks. I work for the club. I've always wanted to be with the club. I'm a club man, not a chairman's man. So going mm. going back to obviously, mm. I mean, Carson Young years were ended horrendously, but going back to that, you've got yourself and Alex sorted out kind of players and transfers that you want to sign. Yes. How many meetings did you have with Carson Young? How often was he over here and how often did you two discuss this with him? In person, I saw Carson Young once at the Christmas party. The um, the the award-winning, he yeah, came to one, yes, yeah. and that was it. Everything was dealt through Pano mm. or by fax for the players that you wanted to bring in. So he he took limited to zero. I don't know what what 
what uh, stance he took of being in Hong Kong with Pano or whatever. But for me, he um, he did. We never we, we we never saw him. We never saw him. That's bizarre when you think about it. A football club. I mean, now. And that was the frustrating part because we we were faxing him, mm. but. And wondering, well, what are we doing here? You know, uh, you know, it's much easier if if he was here and we could see a sign, then really, mm. sign Pablo on loan, because this is why, this is what, you know, then then write it on a piece of paper and have to send emails to say, please, you know, give us this prayer. We need this, otherwise we're in trouble. And sadly, that's what I, nobody, nobody. Foresaw what was going to happen after the Carlin Cup, that Z wouldn't play again, and centre halves were injured. The go- you know what I mean? The spine was all taken out the team through injury, and nobody. We all made them aware of a possibility, mm. but we were so unlucky to that for this to happen, and um, and it, obviously it did happen, and which made which emphasised the non-signing of requested players more frustrating and really very angry you know for, for when you've worked hard to, on a project and the project was to make Birmingham you know a great team mm. and we were getting there in my opinion we were getting there no ifs buts or maybe we were getting there and we just needed that but we just had the wrong owners I think did did Carson Young I think it's been touching before did Carson Young ever I think owners nowadays, we always kind of say, especially like owners from overseas, that they're almost signing the players themselves um, and making those choices. Did you ever feel like, because obviously Carson Young was, you know, rejecting Dembele, rejecting those off options, that he almost wanted to control himself, sign the players that he wanted, that he knew about? Yeah, well, I used to, I used to laugh with Arlo and just say, uh, no point in sending a name that they've never heard of, mm. because we, we ain't got any chance of, of signing them, because it's a zoo. They were playing fantasy football. You know what I mean? If the if you sent them out with a name that they knew, oh yeah, I know him. You know, it was like you had a different kind of attitude to what you had with someone who they wouldn't know. And sorry to mention it again, but the likes of Dembele, they wouldn't have known. They wouldn't have known him from Adam because he he didn't have that um, big name that um, that they would have, which would have. Prick their mem, you know, their, their mind to say, oh yeah, 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 we, we'll, we'll take him. It was like fob off, fob off, fob. You know what I mean? We were getting fob. Three months went on. You know, three months of, oh, come on, come on, come on. We're going to lose this. We're going to lose that, and we lost it. Rest history. Now and then, Musa obviously went to Fulham, and then Spurs paid 15 million for him, and you know, and like things like that, and like the likes of Klein. It was put in again, you know, ended up at Liverpool for 18, 20 million for 250 grand, you know, as a backup to car. These were all players that would have been a no-brainer to take and had the system been whereby the head of recruitment or the sport director or the manager had that um, authority to say, yeah, sign rather than put to them to get a rubber stamp, then they would have all well, I'm imagining they all would have been in a blue shirt and and I don't think we would be having this conversation. We, God knows where we could have been, you know, and I'm being deadly serious because every year was an improvement. 
mm. in my opinion. Uh, you know, obviously there was some, there was a couple of, I mean, Bent was a poor signer uh, in the championship run. Yeah. He didn't perform the way he should have done. And then other people weren't uh, happy with Michelle. But I think that was a bit unlucky for him because he played in a position where we had a great player, Barry Ferguson. Mm. We had a leader, you know, we had a, who was a great midfield player. And he played the similar role. So was Michelle a failure at Birmingham? I don't think that. I just think he, he, was in a, he played a position whereby the chap ahead of him was better. Mm. But he would have been a good backup had Barry been injured because Barry was an awesome signing, which um, obviously, which was inherited through Alec and his relationship with the mid-rangers. I know Barry didn't do so well at Blackburn, but every man's got his club. But with Birmingham, he was, uh, as, he was tremendous, as, as, as was most of the squad, squad, you know, so. So part of your role also, uh, and this is a role that, I mean, I suppose fans don't get to see, the dealing with the agents, scouting the player, obviously then dealing with the agents. Um, can you just explain some of your experiences dealing with agents and kind of negotiating contracts and transfer fees? Well, it's like, I mean, there was a stage whereby you just used to get unindated with faxes. Mm. And there always, and, and I've had so many where I was looking for a left back. And then you went through the whole thing. And when you went to see him, he was a right back. <laughs> and you would say, by the way, the guy that you said, he's not a right. So you then learn when you're doing my not to accept everything. See, you like everything. You learn who is reliable mm. and who is unreliable. Like every form of work, every form of life. So therefore, in my you would learn to respect on some agents who you could trust, where they were genuinely um, looking to get you a better player as opposed to them doing a deal. Whereby you have other agents who were just money oriented, who were just, weren't interested in the player. Do you know what I mean? Who were just interested in doing a deal, and you kind of have that kind of in time learn who you can kind of trust and who you can't. Because an honest fact, you you would get hundreds of facts per week, and some of them were like not even wouldn't got a game for me pub team. You know, some of the players that yeah. they would have. Uh, you know, and then, I mean, we had, um, but we had, I remember we had, but we had one in incident whereby Mr. Sullivan got us to sign a central defender called Espinosa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I remember Alec saying to me, Mr. Sullivan wants us to sign. I said, well, but we don't need him. And he said, yeah, but he's, his backup is backup. And I said to him, well, I give him my best adjectives to describe what I thought about the player. <laughs> he never played at all. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So that was an agent putting in a player who said he was the best. And we kind of got over, overridden by that, you know what I mean? By the owner who brought brought that player in. But you you know, but you just have to get and just, you prove right in the long term, you know. It's all about opinion, but like Bobby Robson used to say to me, um, there's 50,000 people there every Saturday have got an opinion and everybody's got an opinion about football, blah, blah, blah. He said, but I'm the manager. It's whose opinion I accept that comes. But, and so I want you to see every player that comes in front of me. Mm. You know, so 
football is about opinion, and um, hopefully, um, from my point of view, I always wanted. It was just a passion and a desire that I wanted to be the best at what I did, you know. And so, and I think my 40 at the time was putting teams together on zero to limited budgets. Yeah. And uh, I think I did well at that, you know, to be honest. And compared to nowadays, when the multi-millions are wasted on, in my opinion, some ordinary players, without in some players who really are not the level of that team who's signing the player, you know. Mm. And I think that's the other um, part of the equation for someone in my. It's not just about um, sourcing a player. And, monitoring a player, finding a player. It's about also having the judgment on what level that player can play and what job he can do for the manager, you know. This is what this guy can do and so he knows everything about this player before he comes in to say, right, he's not the best at this, he's not the best at that, but he will do this, he will do that all day long. And I think, and that's where, getting back to my uh, original conversation where I believe a manager should always be involved, mm. always be involved with the recruiting side. Well, as you said about Espinosa, it was clear yourself and Alex weren't involved in that one. No. Um, is that something, because we've seen that at West Ham in recent years, is that something the Golds and the Sullivans did quite a lot with players? Just kind of uh, I get that impression, yeah. I get, uh, in my short time, w w there was two or three they tried to, mm. to put onto us, but we didn't kind of take them. Um, and um, I think there was a, a couple of others in the past who weren't the best, for want of a better expression, who didn't come up to the level what they should have had. But you know, what, what can you say? If the you know the owner pays the um, wages, he pays the money. It's his club. Mm. If you know what I mean, it's like uh, what can you say? You can only give your opinion, and if your opinion and then if you're good at what you do, your opinion will always end up coming right in the, in the long term, you know, rather than, rather than be wrong. So, um, yeah, it does happen. It does happen. Before, before we uh, move on to a few final questions, just quickly touching on, because the Zaha one gets me every time. <laughs> just quickly going back to that, you said it was 100 grand that he'd have been kind of cost mm -hmm. of, of the three. Mm -hmm. um, how much, I mean, it'd be about 16 at the time? Yeah, 16, 17, yeah, but he was just starting, yeah. he was playing the reserve, you know, I mean, you, you know, when you're doing my job, you, you don't just, do, you don't just, you, you're just not, you're not just knowledgeable about senior players. Yeah. You, you're knowledgeable, you've got people who work for you, you know, I had a great scouting team, experienced guys, different parts of the country. And I knew everything that was going on. Well, I, I believe I did. I think I was in advance of everybody else mm. because of having a good team that supported you. And you know everything about um, young players that are coming through. You know, and, and we knew about Wilfred. So if half cost £100,000 and he's 16, 17, how much does a player like cost in terms of wages? It seems quite a low risk deal, doesn't it? Yeah, but and then he would have been on buttons. Pardon me, friends, he would have been on buttons. Mm. And the Crystal Palace were, were, were in insolvency, they were bust. Mm. So the, the receiver was doing his best for Crystal Palace. Yeah. And Wilfred wasn't a player then. So for him to be 100,000, 
and Nathaniel. I th I'm sure it was six, three, and one. That was how the. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's what uh, Wigan paid in the you know, for Moses. I think they paid about 650000 after we couldn't do the deal. Mm. Um, but that was how it was broke up. You know, now you would think, how can you get Wolfred's off or 100 though? But he, he wasn't um, an established player. Yeah. What it was was a chance, and it was a chance because of the, the size of the deal. Mm. You know, you were taking a chance, he could have been anything. You know, we may not be sitting here today and think Wolfred was such an awesome player like he is. Mm. You know, he may have went the other way, but that was a chance that you take, and that's the beauty of your, um, of your knowledge and, and, and expertise in thinking that this kid's got a chance, you know, going, a big chance. Going back now, just two final ones for me, quick questions. Uh, who was the best blue sign you made? Oh. Oh. <laughs> He's speechless. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, best for what? Just for the for the club? Best, best in terms of deal, club, everything. I think I think Dan's. Scott Dan. Mm -hmm. Good team player, good attitude, great young professional, million pound, okay wages, and just a store what about with Roger? Mm. I just thought they were the rock. They were the rock that we built upon, you know. So there was other exciting players, but I just think value for money. Yeah. Um, I think he was one of the better ones. And finally, the worst player you've signed, or the player you obviously didn't turn out to what you thought he'd be. Bent. Marcus Bent. Yes. Yeah. I thought he was. I spent many sleepless nights, but I wasn't the only one. Roy, Roy Aiken liked him as well. I just wanted to palm that one off. <laughs> right. Roy really thought the same as me because I mean, you know, at the time we had we had a great uh, team at the time. You know, yeah. like Alec and Roy. I thought Roy was a super guy. You know, working and, and Andy Watson. You know, we had a great team, and um, yeah, Roy liked him as well. So I, I just thought Ben was was going to be a really good signing for us for what because he, he he'd done ever so well at Wigan etc etc and he just he just came to us and just wasn't it was like an imposter <laughs> do you know what I mean is that his brother was saying no he just wasn't he just wasn't what what you expected and sorry to you know but uh, for me you know some people get one right mm. in my job me if I got one wrong I'm distraught yeah, you know, it's just the way I am. It's a passion. It's the inside. I never want to be wrong. And Marcus, good lot, you know, but he just didn't perform for us. So I think, yeah, out of all the signings, I think, sorry, Marcus, but he's he was he did the poorest for us, shall we say? Yes. I mean, we've, we've put critiques on everything blues now, but there is a book coming out next year, isn't it? Yes, yes. Um, the Player Finder. The Player Finder. Yeah. Um, Paul's bringing a book out, so obviously uh, it'll be very interesting 
reading for Blues fans, Newcastle fans, Derby fans. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there'll be a lot more, a lot more stories, and I'm sure we'll use a lot more adjectives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah a bit more expletives. Players. Yeah, more expletives. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but thanks for coming on the podcast today. It's been brilliant. No problem. Uh, great to have your insight on obviously the, the the glory years of Blues in recent years. And uh, thanks for. Oh, I would just say to say before it was an honour to be involved with Birmingham, and from all the clubs, my best time and my best period in football was was what, what I what I spent in Birmingham. You know. For, um, it was uh, awesome support, you know, both all the teams in Birmingham have awesome support, you know, they're very passionate, just like the Geordie people. So I really, um, I spent a, a marvellous time and uh, just, I'm still, although I'm annoyed at what could have been, I'm still um, very honoured to have been part of uh, in this city, you know. Perfectly put. Thanks for listening, guys.